few minutes it won't be live. So here we are. We are live. Hey, I told several people, welcome to the Backyard Professor Live, by the way. And it's Saturday afternoon. You wanted a Saturday matinee. I was watching uh, I was watching one of John DeLynn's uh, podcasts with Mike and Nemo, and it was over-the-top outrageous. I have a wonderful guest with me, Benny Heinrich. Heinrich? Heinrich. Henrik, yeah. yeah it rhymes with Ben Bricks. I, I can't say his, he spells it funny. It's German, yeah. but it's not spelled like German. But anyway, we've got a really good show for you, really, truly. Benny and I, and Paul over there, our audience of one. There you go. There you go. Uh, we met in St. George at Thrive, yeah. and we had a blast. Yeah. We, we did karaoke. These guys came up to me. Paul, actually, I, I was in the wasn't I in the lobby? That's it was in the right. lobby of the hotel, wasn't it? Yeah. Just after the bathroom. It was. <laughs> and these guys came up to me and Paul corrals me and he goes, hey, see this guy? I said, yeah. He said, pay attention. I go, pay attention. Okay, yeah. What do you want? And he starts talking to me about the book of Ether in the book of Mormon. And the more he talked, I wanted to do a live with, didn't I want to do a live with you right, yeah, right there? there. <laughs> so anyway, we're a little later. We're a couple of weeks, almost a month or more down the road. And Benny has come to town. So we are going to talk about the Book of Ether and the Book of Mormon in a way I suspect that most of you, my audience, won't have heard of. Benny has very wonderful information and research. So let's get this show on the road and do it. Okay, hey, we're back. Uh, Benny was just telling me on that on that one little slide that has all the spectacular blue-green circles and all the math equations. Uh, that's the Schrodinger equation. He's the first one that's let me know that. So you've uh, you studied physics. I did, yeah. And what's actually funny is uh, I wanted to graduate a semester early. And so I the only way to do that was to take quantum mechanics two before one because they only taught two in the spring and one in the fall. So I had to take quantum two and then quantum one. And those were very hard classes. Yeah, so but you did. You I passed. Did. Yeah. You passed. So see, the interesting thing is we now recognize that you have 
brought forward the Schrodinger equation, quantum physics, into the book of Ether in the book of Mormon. And you guys think I'm kidding. Wait till you see what Benny's got. First, let's say hi to everybody. It looks like I have one comment. Gail Capson, how are you, dear? You're awesome, lady. I'm just saying. Okay, you guys. Um, this is kind of a surprise. I usually do them on Sunday nights, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Sunday nights at 6. And tomorrow night, I have a spectacular show lined out. I'm going to be co-hosting with... Steve Pinecker of Mormon Book Reviews. He has been called the Switzerland of podcasting because he brings in so many. He's an evangelical. He's not even Mormon. No. Yet, yet he's really in good with all the Mormon scholars and the historians and the physicists and all that. And he has brought together a terrific amount of dialogue between Christians, Mormons, and between Mormons and their church leaders who stupidly continue to hide history from them, there's a lot of uh, historians who are kind of beginning to take our side on this, saying, okay, okay, yeah, 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 we need to be a little bit more transparent, and we're encouraging that. We are hosting Jonathan Neville of the Heartland, the Heartland Geography. Theory. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Now I know he's had he's had his uh ups and downs, his ins and outs with uh what's her name? The gal who is so adamantly orthodox with jo uh Hannah oh, Stoddard, yeah. the Stoddards. Yeah. And they have tension and conflict. Uh Neville is not a Stoddard fan. Maybe I shouldn't say that too loud. <laughs> I might get him in hot water, but we will have Jonathan Neville on tomorrow night, and you don't want to miss it. He is he is very interesting. I spent this whole last week studying a lot of his stuff and watching many, many, many videos, interviews with, with him. So, hey, John, welcome. John, meet Benny. Benny, John. Gail, Benny, Benny, Gail. Carrie, Benny, Benny, Carrie. Paul. Hey. He's our audience of one. He is the man who is going to keep us on the wide and curvy today. So, how like my, my women, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is intriguing because Benny is a hell of a musician, and he studies physics. He's very good with the piano and the guitar. I will. I will. Uh, I'm going to have to do this as a separate. I guess I could do the link that you sent me, huh? Oh, yeah. Of your song. I just but put no, out a music video on Friday for my newest song. He just put out a music video. Would you guys like to see the music video to see the skill and talent this guy can apply to the Book of Mormon? He's going to do an Alma the Younger song soon. <laughs> Right? No. We're, we're gonna do well, that. That'd be whole, better a whole than musical. A whole... Actually, did you ever hear about? There's like a whole musical that they did on Korahor. In uh, so it was based on a novella by B. H. Roberts from like 1890, and uh, it's called. I think it's just called Co Co Korahor. A Mesoamerican love story or something like that. And anyway, they turned it into a whole musical and made a whole like Ten Commandments style movie out of it in like 1930. 
and <laughs> there is a whole <laughs> that is so bh it, Roberts. it's crazy well bh roberts didn't do the musical he just did the novella the and novella. somebody else made it into yeah so you're can, gonna get in on, on yeah I'm, I'm writing the sequel right now all right, as all right. We speak fantastic that's what we want we want skill and talent to step forward come over to my house i'll put you on a live i'm telling you man and we're gonna have the premiere of Co corridor two here at carrie's house we're gonna corridor all the way baby hey tim rathbone welcome paul hadlow welcome i always like to say hi to everybody good good i love my audience they are awesome okay you guys um let let me i can do that with my uh let's see we're gonna we're sharing the screen, aren't we? Yeah, but I think you have to. Add yeah, this, but yeah. do I do that to do your song from my uh, email? Um, oh well, if you just want to sh show it, theoretically we could just go to YouTube and. Oh, let's do. Let's do. Up. We're gonna go to YouTube. Hang on. Here we go. YouTube. Uh, YouTube. Do you remember the name of it? <laughs> I sure do. Do Pink Henrik. H-E-N-R-I-K. Oh, that's not how you spell your last name. Pink Henrik. Uh, yeah, there well, we everybody go. always spells it wrong. So hey, there you are. Oh, that's it, isn't it? Just Yeah. This well, let's, no. That's, that's just a... Um, somewhere. There. Right, right there, there. That's the one. It's so fun. if you play that, my audience is going to see it? Well, I don't think we're actually sharing the screen yet. So I think we have to come in here oh yes we do add to stream yep so it's currently well it is sharing the screen but you have to i have to do that okay we're back scared you didn't i <laughs> my stupid fat fingers so now we have to share the screen again okay we're gonna hit it's a good thing he's here holy shishka and bob share the screen we're gonna do the share the screen and then go to, go to window this one or this one yeah yeah window window and then stream yard hopefully the audio output from the stream yard i i hope so hit yeah. share and then the question is will it get the audio or not Sure, it will. <laughs> Let's do it. And sure. then you have to add uh, it to the stream. Yeah, I have to yeah. add it to the screen, right? So yeah, by so clicking on, on the, it. Down. Here? No. Here? Let, me, let me drive for a second. <laughs> now, now we flip over here. So now it's on the stream. So this whole window is on the stream now. They My hear, audience is seeing this. They're seeing it, but I don't know if they'll hear it. That's the question. They better hear it. <laughs> Okay, here we go.
just in case it's not, we'll see. Yeah. Are you guys hearing that? They're probably yelling. Can't hear it. It's okay. We can lip read. Really? You couldn't hear it. Oh, that's that's why we cut it off after one course. We'll right. just we'll just put a link up. We'll put a link up. We'll put a link in it. Sorry about that. Anyway, it's really good stuff. I hope you liked watching our faces. Yeah, their faces told them all. So okay, anyway. Okay. It's all good. So let's uh let's look at the uh let's get out of the antechamber. Let's get out of the antechamber. We just want to go to your ether, don't we? Yeah. So you want to add to stream again on the, not that one. Yeah. Yeah. That one. And then flip over to the, the tab. Over here. Here. Yes. That one. Okay. So the question is, can you guys see this? It says linguistics of ether. It's in a blue box by Henry Henrich. That was so <laughs> close, Carrie. I'm so proud. Henrich. Look, the point is, I'm going to call you Benny. Tell us if you can read that, you guys, because we can't see us or or the chat yet. So someday we'll get Carrie. Um, they found it on YouTube already. <laughs> no audio now. No sound from us. Can you hear us? We should be full blast. Yes, we can hear you too. Okay, we can. They can hear us. Okay, so here we are. Yes. You, you can't hear the. Uh, let us know if you can see yeah, yeah, this they, part they, though. We're going to add the stream. Let us know if you can see the ether linguistics of yes. ether. Somebody said they could. We're, we're oh, going to get Carrie okay. two screens at some point, and I'm then he can, he can have StreamYard on one screen. And yeah, then... sound is good. We can hear and we can see. Okay, awesome. So let's let's let Benny take over here, and we are going to talk about the Book of Ether. He is. Yeah. Tell us about well, the link. So the real question: Why is, is this so interesting? Well, you? the real question is: If we present the slideshow, can you still see it? I think. I think they should because it's in the Chrome window still. Let me just should be. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's in the okay. Window. Cool. Yeah, let's yeah. okay. Let's done, get on done with this. all of that. Okay. Now we can just drive. Okay. Cool. So this is just, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to ever notice this, but I, I have kind of dug into it a bit. So I just thought that it'd be cool to come and present some of the stuff that I've dug up. So um, and just kind of to start in um Hugh Nibley's book, Abraham in Egypt, he has this quote right in the first chapter that I always kind of liked. And he's talking about the book of Abraham, but I think he uses it in a couple other books. And um, so, you know, he's saying the book of Abraham, but let's just think about the book of Ether in this instance. He says, the book of Abraham can be tested as a diamond is tested, not by inquiring from whence it came, who found it, who owns it, how much it was paid for, where and when, who says it's genuine, and who says it's not, etc., but simply by subjecting it to established and recognized jewelers' tests for diamonds. In short, it is the Book of Abraham, or Ether, that is on trial, not Joseph Smith as an Egyptologist. I don't think that's actually true, but let's just pretend it's true here. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Nor the claims and counterclaims to scholarly recognition by squabbling public speakers nor the provenance Ooh, that'd be us <laughs> that's yeah that's us we're we're out of the game 
nor the provenance and nature of Egyptian papyri, nor the competence of this or that person to read them. Okay, so basically he's saying, who cares what's on the papyri? Who cares who what's Joseph Smith is? Yeah, who, let's just look at the actual text. And I think that's a great idea. Um, and so that's that's exactly what's going on here in the book of Ether. Um, so according to my reckoning, there are 69 names or non-English words in Ether's 15 chapters. And I'm counting Jesus Christ as one name in here. Okay. Um, so if we split that into two, because, I mean, it is two different names, uh, there would be 70. But just so you know my methodology. 69 is a good number. It, it is a very nice number. a lot of folks. Nice RFM number. would like that number. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I have all of this in a table that we're going to look at at the very end. But we'll just look at my numbers for the start. Um, 26 of these 69 names or 38% also appear exactly in the King James Bible. 38% that high, huh? 38%. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so this, this is going to become clear why this is potentially problematic in a moment. Um, now, additionally, there are 14 or 21% that are one letter off from names in the King James Bible. Oh, interesting. 21%. Um, one letter off. So perhaps he's trying to make them seem biblical. Yeah. So my the that's the my, skeptical side. My yeah. thesis here, and we'll get to this a little later in the presentation, is that um, he, he basically he wants the names to sound more or less like they're from the Old Testament times. OK, that is. Um, so, yeah, we got 26 or 38 percent exactly in the KJV and 14 or 21 percent one letter off. Um, okay. Therefore, we have 40 or 59 percent of the names are within one letter of names in the King James Bible. OK, very um, good. So that, like to me, that's already kind of a staggering percentage. We, we basically Pretty have 60, 60 percent of the names, you know, three out of every five names in the book of Ether are within one letter of a name in the King James of actual Bible. names already in the King James. Yes. So nothing much inventive going on necessarily, just more or less from a skeptical viewpoint, right. lift, lifting it out of the King James. And I mean, starting with okay. the name Ether, <laughs> you know, that's there just you go. Yeah. straight in the King James Bible. Yeah. Um, and then now, like I said, we'll get into the actual list and you can sort of judge for yourself what you think about these particular comparisons. But I counted an additional 18 or 26 percent that are pretty similar two names in the King James Bible. Some of them are like two letters off, so I couldn't count them in my one letter statistic. Right. Um, yeah. Some of them are a little more speculative. So now are you talking about the way they sound or the spelling? A bit, a bit of both. A bit of both. Bit of okay. Both. All right. Yeah. Um, so therefore, if, if we lump all of those together, we have 59 out of 69 or 84% of these names are similar are either exactly one letter off or, you know, similar. similar to names in the King James Bible, which leaves us with, uh, it's like 10 or 11 or 16% mm -hmm. uh, that are not represented that I could not personally find in the King James Bible. And some of those, interestingly, there was a couple of them that were actually like just straight up Hebrew words. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. But they don't appear in the English text of the KJB. Oh. 
So I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going to count those because for my hypothesis, I'm just imagining he has the KJV. And that's, okay. that's what he has. Fair uh, enough. Yep, kind, yep. You know, like the most parsimonious interpretation is sure. he had the KJV. Like we, we know he's at least had access to that, right? Right. During his life. Even though Farms and Daniel Peterson says he didn't use it. Well, you know, I think that they say he didn't use it for the translation, but like. Oh, he definitely it, read it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But before that, he's been exposed to it for his entire life. Yeah. So even if he you know, as they say, he didn't have a Bible with him during the translation. Like that doesn't negate the like literal decades of reading it before that point. Um, so let's talk about Hebrew for a second, just the Hebrew language. Um, so, okay. you know, it's most, a beautiful language. It is. I yes. enjoy studying it. The, this, you study it. A little bit. Yeah. yeah I, that's cool. Yeah, just, that's you know, why just, we hit it off. Somewhere. Yeah. Here, here and there, I'll just be like, what is that word in Hebrew? Or, you know, I, I like the website Bible Hub. A lot they have the interlinear texts of uh, the Old Testament and New Testament. Um, so a lot of the time, if I'm in a verse and I'm just like, "What is actually going on in this verse?" I'll just hop in there and I'll look at the Hebrew words and I, they, it links right to Strong's cord, uh, concordance, which nice. I, I don't know if you it's guys have... dated, but they keep updating it. So in a way, I mean, a purist would say, "Oh, Strong's, don't waste your time," but they are bringing it up to date with the newer lexicon. So it's still a great source. Right. So well, you're okay doing it. And the, the nice thing about it is it shows you a link to every single verse that uses that word in the Bible. Yeah. So you can see, oh, this word has 36 usages or yeah. Yeah. whatever. And it, it, it has the word itself. And then, cause you know, Hebrew words, how they're constructed is they'll put prepositions and stuff. Just, they like agglutinate it onto mm -hmm. the word. Mm -hmm. um so you know you you want to you just they they'll, they'll add like letters a lot so like they add a bet do you think they use elmer's glue to agglutinate <laughs> they they might use emer's glue or omer's glue or ether's glue omer's glue <laughs> yeah. that's in ether it is and so, hey! it says, it says emer there yes emer's glue yeah dang so they forgot from... the l that yeah. was the one letter off <laughs> exactly we're never going to hear the end of this if we're not careful <laughs> So here, here's the interesting thing with the Hebrew language. So it is a Semitic language. And, um, you know, that you, right in this area that Hebrew comes from, you have a ton of other Semitic languages. Languages that you think of today as Semitic would be like Arabic. That is mm -hmm. the most commonly spoken Semitic language in the world. Um, and obviously Hebrew and Aramaic is still spoken a little bit. There's a few thousand Aramaic speakers. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Hebrew starts to kind of distinguish itself from a lot of from this group of what would later become several other languages around 1200 BC. And so that, that's just like quoting um, what scholars currently think. Okay. So, you know, may, maybe they'll find more data to update that at some point, but currently that is our best knowledge. Um, okay. And the first actual attestation of Hebrew is right from around 1000 BCE. Okay. Um, they uh. have a, I think it's a stele. And uh, so at that time, so the, the letters that you think of as Hebrew letters come from the Babylonian period. So that that's when they, okay. you know, they started interfacing with Aramaic and they switched to Aramaic. So those, the, they call them square square uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah. letters that that comes from this Babylonian period. So before that they used a similar, but different 
um, alphabet or abjad. And, Came from um, Phoenician, I believe. Right. And the Phoenician comes from Proto-Sinaitic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Proto-Sinaitic. Yeah. Also, also called Proto-Canaanite. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. It, it depends kind of on the scholar as to whether they're calling it Proto-Sinaitic or Proto-Canaanite. Um, and I think the reason why they call it Proto-Sinaitic is because the first instance that they find of it is in the Sinai Peninsula. And right. I think it's from some Canaanite workers who they're basically adapting some of these Egyptian hieroglyphs to kind of write their language, oh. but they're, they're not really trained. Reformed Egyptian. Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh. You mean Joseph was right? <laughs> yeah. So this is like 1800 ish BC. 1800 BC. Ish, okay. Ish for yeah, the, so this the, is way back yeah. for Proto-Sinaitic. Um, mm -hmm. And so see, if you're saying 1800 BC and the Hebrew starts to become a language at 1200, see, that's still 600 years of evolution and it's first attested in a thousand. So the, yeah, it's, that gives them enough time to develop it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very and, good. Um, yeah, I always love, I, I should have included this, but I love looking at the development from Egyptian to modern English for the letters. Yeah. So for example, like the letter A, Docs head. Yeah, it comes yeah, it comes yeah. from the Egyptian hieroglyph for And then box. they flipped it over upside down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, here's here's another really cool one. This I'm just throwing out random stuff because oh, yeah. it pops into my head. Um so a lot of these languages go right to left. Do you know why that is? I don't. Why? And do you did you know at, at some point a lot of them start to flip and go left to right. Left to right. Same uh -huh. letters. Same letters. Do you know why that is? No, I don't. It's because when you're most people are right-handed and when you're carving it's easier to go right to left but when you're writing it's easier to go left to right and so a lot of the earlier stuff was more like carved i'll be darn <laughs> the hieroglyphs in the yeah. limestone and all that oh how yeah. fun and and so but then when people started writing there were obviously not <laughs> everybody because hebrew and arabic right. and stuff are still right to left but right. a lot of people took the exact same letters and flipped them left to right because they're right-handed and you're like right smudging handed. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever heard left-handed people talk about like trying to do penmanship class? It sucks. I'm left-handed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm here to testify. Uh -huh. Yeah. So is Paul. Paul's waving over there. Yeah. But, but Paul, the advantage is we are in our right minds. <laughs> so I'm just saying we've got scientific evidence for that. So, so yeah, you know, we've thrown out a number of dates, but let's just go back to the slide and kind of hit some of these main dates. Um, Hebrew starts to become a language around 1200 BC. And I mean, how languages develop is like people just start speaking a little different and then that keeps rolling, you know? Yeah. And that's just how it's always happened. And, you know, basically any language alive today, uh, it would be very hard to understand any speaker of that language from a thousand years ago. It sure would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just even old English is only 800 years ago, and we mm -hmm. we couldn't understand Chaucer to save our lives. Well, that's Middle English. Chaucer's, Chaucer's Middle English. So who, old, old English. English old old English. The Norman Conquest times. Right. So that's old, what I meant. Old yeah, English yeah. goes up to 1066 when, 1066 when you have the Norman right, Conquest. Right, right. So it's from about I'm 400 right. to 1066. Um, but yeah, if you try to talk to somebody who spoke old English, like you literally couldn't understand them. No. Um, part of that is because English specifically went through a creolization with these Frankish languages. Ah, um, so, okay. we, so we, we actually uh -huh. like creolized and into middle English and we lost like a lot of, um, our, like how we 
like verbs, like, um, you know, strong verbs versus weak verbs. Right. So like, like run and ran, that's how you conjugate that. That's a strong verb, but you have like, uh, like glide and glided or like, so slide and slid strong verb glide, glided weak verb. And yeah. usually that's because it comes after the Norman conquest. How interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. But, um, and so that that's part of the creolization anyway, that's a sidetrack, but uh, yeah, basically a thousand years ago, you, you can't really understand any language from a thousand years ago. Um, Icelandic kind of, but like I was telling you the other day, they did a specific effort from like the 1700s to the present day to right. try to retrofit their language and make it sound more like from the 1200s. Yeah. And yeah. make it sound more like That's the sagas. So yeah, let's not go back to that. We, <laughs> we don't want our language to sound old. Yeah, but so I, so cool. this first attested one thousand BC, that's not as significant as your next one, right? So biblical chronology. So this is right during the Tower of Babel, and the Tower of Babel. If you go and look up these biblical chronology charts, it lands it in the twenty third century BC. You're going to obviously get some wiggle room on any Bible dating, so we could say twenty four hundreds to twenty one hundred ish. Okay, and so why is that significant with the Jaredites? What's the problem here, yeah, Benny? That's, that's uh, well, let's, this is what we want to look at. Let's see what the next uh -oh, slide says. Oh, drum roll. Hebrew didn't exist when the Jaredites left, and it, it would not start to exist for about a thousand years, and it wouldn't be attested in writing for like 1200 years. Um, yet over half of the names in the book of ether are hebrew wow so this almost presents like a problem <laughs> yeah you heard it here first folks <laughs> um so that's very interesting but let's this is kind of like all drawing to a thesis so let's just kind Absolutely. of go, go through the Absolutely. next let's see the it. next uh, few slides um okay so greek uh -huh. so so let's look at greek for a second so greek so it became a language earlier than uh hebrew it, it did yeah okay um and just it, making sure i'm reading this right there there are definitely st there's stuff before that as well so greek sure. is an indo-european language right it is the, of you the, go through the mycenae and all yeah that. yeah it, it is of yeah. the the hellenistic branch of yep. the of the indo-european languages and um it really starts to become its own thing around 1500 BC. Um, and then you, you get like the classical Homeric Greeks around like 800-ish. And then you have Alexander and he conquers. Alexander changes everything, <laughs> including the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Greek kind of changes then again. And uh, anyway, so we, we have a name that shows up in the Book of Ether and it's Ezram. Now, what's interesting about uh, this wait name? Wait a minute. Esrom, that top blue one, E-S-R-O-M. Yeah. The Greek version. The Greek version of the Hebrew name Hezron. Hezron. So, Ooh, and it appears only in the New Testament, you're saying. It does. It is in the list of Jesus's uh, ancestors in Matthew and I think Luke, there, too. Luke, Luke, yeah. Luke would be the other genealogy. I, I think it's in both, but I know it's in Matthew. Um yeah, so Hezron is, an, is a name in Hebrew, and when they Hellenized it, they turned it into Ezron. And so part of the reason for that is because the ancient Greeks would pre-aspirate vowels. So that, like you right. see that H there, 
Yeah. So when they read Esrom, they would have said an H sound. Hesrom. Hesrom. That's that's where you get like Eve. Because Eve in Hebrew is Chava. Chava. Yeah, it is. Yes, it sure is. And when it's written in Greek, they drop off the H. The H. Because they just, they pre-aspirate. Same with with Anna and Chana. 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 Mm -hmm. I think that means princess or something in in Hebrew. And uh, yeah, so when they write it in Greek, they just write A-N-N-A. Or Alpha, Nu, Nu, Alpha. Chana. And they would have just said Chana. So Ezram, they would have said Chesrom. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you mean also have Jesus Christ in Egypt? Yeah, so Jesus You're Christ the Greek and has what well, yeah, Jesus Christ and Egypt are Greek versions of of, of other words. Oh, um, oh okay. So Jesus yeah, Jesus Christos is the Christos. you know, this uh, Greek version of um Yehoshua Mashiach in mm-hmm. Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um and Egypt comes from hot kapta which is Egyptian. So for hot is the, now, like a Egypt temple. Egypt comes from Egyptus. Haven't you read the papyri? <laughs> you got it's the me. woman who discovered you the got, land. You got me. First <laughs> underwater. Let's, let's back it up. linguistics, right? <laughs> hot means like temple. Ka yeah. is like a, a spirit. A and spirit, pta yeah. is and a. And it looks like a, a referee doing the good <laughs> yeah. for the. Uh-huh. Kick for the goalposts. It's good. Yeah. The extra point. And Pta the, the, is uh Ptah is, is a creator demon. god. Yeah, they they have Ptah. like four different creator gods in Egyptian mythology. Nine. Um nine. In, in some okay. Oh, yeah. that's true, because they have the and then they've got the yeah. Aeneid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. anyway, so Pta is one of these creator gods, and he had a temple in the city of Memphis, mm-hmm. and um people called the temple Hatkapta. And uh, that went through, and the Greeks started to just refer to that as like, I'm going to Hatkapta. But they they started saying Hagupta. Hagupta. And, and they dropped the H. And they dropped Egypt. the H just like Egypt. Just like oh, Hezron, Ezram. They dropped the H. Yeah. So Egypt used to have an H mm-hmm. back in old Egyptian. But wow. then when it went to Greek, Drop the H. Well, okay, we we might have another linguistic capability here with Ham. He's got the H. He does. The guy who carried the curse. He, right? he does. According to Joseph, I'm just trying <laughs> in Joseph Smith here. This yeah. is important. Okay. So. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So you Sorry, know, I'll get serious now. But the the th- the reason why I'm not really like leaning too heavy on Jesus Christ in Egypt. Well, okay. Uh, half in, half you better out. not. One's Christian, the other one's pagan. <laughs> Wasn't well, that, Jesus a Christian? That depends on who you ask. The, um, well, yeah, there's a book on that. I'm telling you, I got it right back here. How Jesus became Christian. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and obviously, you have all the, the Copts in Egypt, which there is very Christian. So, yeah, it depends sure on who is. you ask. Is it to... does actually. You're <laughs> entirely correct. I concede that point, yeah. <laughs> but um. Yeah, Jesus Christ is revealed to the brother of Jared, this name Jesus Christ. Um I, I'm not oh, I'm not a huge I see where you're going. I'm not I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that. So you but you you would have this theory that so Joseph Smith just rendered that in our modern English. Right. And the brother of Jared just got some who knows what language of Jesus Christ right. revealed to him. So 
So Joseph Smith, you would say Joseph Smith is probably the one who rendered the translation into the into concept. The, 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 he would have understood it. The Hellenized version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of like, eh. yeah. And then Egypt right. is another one. Mesopotamia right. had contact with Egypt for since the fourth millennium BC. So like they knew that it existed and so that goes way back yeah, yeah. so this is at, at yeah. least at least a thousand years before the okay. jaredites so that's so there's the greek that that's so having egypt in there is another one that i'm like well okay whatever yeah. um all right so greek didn't exist when the jaredites left yet they use the greek form of a hebrew name okay so wait a minute you told us that the Hebrew didn't exist either, and yet there's Hebrew names, right? I did, yeah. I didn't misunderstand you. Now you're saying the Greek did. Well, just what the hell did exist then? <laughs> that's that's a very good question. And uh, that that's, hey, that's, that? that's exactly where we're going to. Okay. So, well, you know, we're, we're talking about the Tower of Babel. We're talking the about Tower? Mesopotamia. We're talking way back then. The Middle River, Mesopotamia, right? Mesopotamia. And, yes, and, it was. Uh, and so what, what did language actually look like in Mesopotamia? Like if there actually was a Tower of Babel, if it actually landed chronologically where the Bible wants us to interpret it as, what would the linguistic landscape have been? Um, so there's two languages and the first one is Akkadian. Okay. Um, Akkadian is a Semitic language. Like Pretty old language, 2,500. Yeah. It's one of the oldest attested languages in the world. Obviously Egyptian and Sumerian. We have older attestations of those, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Akkadian, very, very old as far as like written records go. Um, about 2,500 BCE. That's the first time that we're really, that we're getting like Akkadian, which is, Kind of crazy. That's, that's yeah. 4,500 years ago. Um, and wow, it is wow. a Semitic language. And it lasts until about 500 BCE for like actual usage. Um, you get, you know, religious texts and stuff that'll go for like another 500 years. Um, but that's that's just how it goes. But like sure. for actual like people speaking, it has about a, to, to our knowledge, about a 2,000 year lifespan. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty good for a language. Pretty good for a language. Yeah, yeah. Um, Longer than ours so far. Yeah. yeah. So far. And uh, yeah, so other Semitic languages that you'll have heard of, Hebrew, Ugaritic, Phoenician, Aramaic, um, Eblaite, that's probably another one. Could you know, be, yeah. Adamite, Ammonite. Those yeah. are, you know, mm -hmm. like just, just a lot of these Canaanite land peoples mm -hmm. will speak uh, Semitic languages. And um, the Akkadian Empire, this is what many historians consider to be the first empire. So, like, there were kingdoms before, but uh, Sargon of I Akkad. I the Sumerians. Uh, well, oh, you're talking the Akkadian Empire. I'm talking about, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, like, as far as, so different historians will okay. be like, no, this was an empire. Oh, this was an empire, you know. Right. But, okay. like, a, a decent amount of historians consider the Akkadian Empire of Sargon to be the first to empire. Be the first. Uh -huh. David Bakavoy would be pleased with you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that, that lasts for about 200 years, the Akkadian empire and lo and behold, it is right during the time that we're interested in this uh, Mesopotamian. Oh, time of the Jaredites. Time and place. Look at this. Time and place. I see why you're bringing this up now. The Akkadian empire. Um, and what's yeah, because Ether says they separated at the tower, didn't they? Yeah, 
Yeah. That's why you're doing this. Exactly. So they're leaving you. like from the tower. Basically. I'm with you. Um, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, they even prayed. Don't spare us our language. Yes. They, they're feeling like oh, little Lord bits of masonry, like dribble on their heads. You know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Now, now this comes up. Oh, and now, now, now I see the relevance and you're saying half a million documents. Yeah. So that's one of the crazy things about Acadian is we have they so were many documents and a lot of them are from the third millennium BC. Any gold plates? Any uh, metal plates yet? Uh, we're looking at a lot of clay plates. Clay plates. Clay okay. tablets. Uh -huh. Yeah. See, the Jaredites were probably on the rich end of the Acadian sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so the Acadian is beautiful because it, because it is the exact time and place that the Jaredites would be leaving from, um, the yeah. the the Empire of Sargon the Great. That's not his actual name. We don't know what his name was, but that's what they he's call not him. in the Book of Ether, is he? He's he didn't Darn, make it. That'd have been cool. Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been something? That would have been something. Boy, you'd have had to revise your thesis here. <laughs> uh, I, I either having been friends with Sargon, <laughs> skipping stones at the lake, did receive a revelation. Sargon, you stick here and take care of the place. I'm splitting and going over to the uh, other country. Yeah, well, that would have been Jared, not Ether, but. Oh, it yeah. would have, yeah, ethers at the end. Duh. Yeah. That would have been Mahan Moriankar. Exactly. Exactly. And is um, that an Acadian name? Mahan Moriankar. Or um, is that a Joseph Smith? I didn't try name? to match that one. I'll be. We'll have to do some yeah. study. We'll, we'll have to update the list. Break up um, the Mahan So, yeah, there, yeah. there are a lot of documents lot of from the third millennium. Most of them are from later. Because that's just sure. how like time and entropy works. Sure, but yeah, that makes sense. Um, Sumerian, I did not do a comparison because I could not personally find a large enough list on the internet. I'm sure if I were to go to some university library, um, could probably yeah, they, dig they, something up there. But. There's got to be something somewhere. Okay, yeah, but for your purposes, the Akkadian works really well. As I, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. So Sumerian differs from Akkadian in that there are no known linguistic relatives. It is what's known as a linguistic isolate, like the Basque language um, okay. or Korean. Those are like, as far as we know, they don't have any uh, relatives. Huh. Um, Pap okay. Papua New Guinea has a lot of linguistic isolates as well. It's wild. One um, of the islands. Papua New Guinea has like the highest density of languages of any country in the world. I didn't yeah, know it's it's freaking nuts. Really? Yeah. But wow. anyway, that's a, that's a sidetrack. Population of 90 and none of them can talk to each other because there's 90 different languages. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, yeah, so um, Sumerian and Akkadian were formed a, a Sprachbund. It's a German word. Uh -huh. um, Sprachbund, yeah. yeah, in the Akkadian Empire. So a lot of people were bilingual. Um, and actually mm -hmm. throughout human history, recorded human history, more than half of all people have been like bilingual. Bilingual, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So having this, you know, like in the U.S. where we just have such a monolithic culture mm -hmm. is kind of like, is almost like a modern convenience that a lot of ancient people just didn't have because, huh, I'll be done. you know, it's, it's, well, it I'm just wasn't available to them. I'm bilingual with one language. Are you going to say body I, language? No, I know ing and lish. <laughs> <laughs> and then just barely. <laughs> okay, um, stop it. <laughs> but when, the, yeah, when when they do uh, like look at these um, old Akkadian tablets, they do find something like ten percent of the names are Sumerian. Sumerian. Um, 
How interesting. So, you okay. know, you, you get you get some like uh, cross pollination and okay. stuff just because like they're they're so close together. Um, so so like given the time and place, the Jaredites should have spoken Akkadian or Sumerian. Um, and Joseph Smith just unfortunately picked <laughs> a time and place that we happen to have a ton of records from. <laughs> he could have picked like, so many other places oh. that we don't have. Like He did the same thing with the papyri, didn't he? <laughs> that we don't have data oh. for. And then it would just be up in the air like, well, I don't know. But the problem is we do have a lot of data for the this exact time and place. Um, so when I went through and I tried to do a very extensive analysis, but I am not an Assyriologist. So obviously it would just be incredible if an actual Assyriologist could come through with I wonder a, if Paul Hoskison, he's the BYU Assyriologist. I don't know if he's still working or not, though. He might be retired right now, but I may have to ask around. I'll I'll check for you. Call that in, might be call interesting. In a favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm so I'm you're sure... only saying you're saying you're only finding two or three percent of really. Close. I found two names that I could declare as this is really close to in a well, like so. This is like my an analogy to a direct hit from the the KJV. Right. Um. So right. like two so two out of these sixty nine. I was wow. like, okay, this is. Good. Not and good. these are these are the two. Oh, and you put them good. I did because I, I want people to see. Kurum. So you have Koram and Kurum is the, is the Akkadian name. Mm. And I think that was actually like a Sumerian king hmm. as well. So um, Kish and Kish. Kish is like a famous Aka uh, Akkadian city. Um, huh. But I so just those two, though, that those were the ones that I found that I considered like this is as close to a direct hit as I could find. Right. Right. Um, so okay. th that's what I mean by really close is like this is the direct sure. hits, so sure. to say. And then when I and then I, I tried to like scrape the bottom of the barrel and find anything that I could consider somewhat close. OK. Um, and I found 28 or 41 percent. 28 out of 69 or 41% were somewhat close to Acadian names. And I have included, um, these are like the best ones uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. from my list of 28. Um, so Ablom, that's in the Book of Ether. And I found Abulum and Ablu. Now those are those are those are pretty close. Like those that, are pretty like good. I'll, I'll give it linguistically. To you. Uh, looks well. Like okay. It looks like okay. It. So what, what I'm sound. what I'm the saying sound. is yeah. those are pretty close superficially yeah right, right, that, right that's right. what i'm saying like because yeah, we're, we're non-linguists with linguistics yeah, yeah. Uh, well let me get into that in a second All let's right. let's just go through this list a right. kish once again kish, kish. omnigada and i found gagada so th this is showing you that I, I was trying to dig deep like gagada omnigada um I'm sure. not just like matching first letters and like if i don't find no it, right, right you know i'm yeah. like trying to dig deep on this. sure Ezram, Isharum. Now, a funny one with that is Isharum is a name, but it means penis. So, oh no, kidding. <laughs> but that, uh, if you remember, that's our. I think, that's our... I think Ezram got mad at his parents later on. <laughs> I hope they didn't call him dickhead. <laughs> if you remember Ezram, that's our Greek. It is the Greek of, the, of Hezron. Oh yeah. my God! So okay. this is your alternative to having a Greek there version of the Hebrew name. All right, um, Nimra. Namraza, Shalem, Shalim, Shalim. Um, Shim, Shimti, Shiz, Shiz. Shiz. Hey, the Shizu. headless Shiz. The headless Shiz, He's man. made history in modern anti-Mormonism. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just saying. Shisi'u. Zerin and Ziri. Yeah, Zerin and Ziri. So, so that little carrot above the S in that second to the last one is a sh, not yeah. a s. Yeah, so Shisi'u. 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 Okay. Yeah. Zerin and Ziri. Okay. Yeah. So, so those I, are, I can see what you're trying. I can see what you're saying. Somewhat close. All right. Yeah. That's fair so far. Yeah. Um, but what about like more common Acadian names? I don't know any. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is what I did. Um, this is my methodology. Just so okay. just so everybody listening knows like what I did, and they can decide if they like that or not. Is okay. I went through. I found a study that had that tabulated a list of all the names that they found from old Acadian sites. And so it, oh, it did good. repeats. Okay. So yeah, it didn't yeah. just say like this name, if it had the name 20 times, it listed the name 20 times. Right. In, in the, oh, right, in the right. study. Okay. Cool. So I, I looked at this list of Acadian names and I just picked out ones that had a lot of, of repeats. On okay. Them. So is that actually representative of the, of the more common Acadian names? I, I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that's sort of like what we know. You pick the more yeah. used ones. Once again, of what was available. Getting yeah. an actual Assyriologist to like right. come and look at this, it'd probably be just way more useful than you know my cursory. Well, that's all right. This this gives others a target to tilt at. Right. Right. Is how the apologists are going to say because they're going to come after you tooth or claw. <laughs> you are refuting uh -huh. the Book of Ether. You schmuck knows. <laughs> so, so here are just some of the more common names that I found. And I'll just read some of them for anybody who's just listening. Uh, Alili, Arkuku, Beli, Bibi, Dababa, Dada, Enbuilo. Dada. Hey, Dada. Dada. That might be a god. I can't remember. Um, well, yeah, Dada, Heavenly Father. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. What more do you want? This Ilum oh, does, does there's, mean... There's Mama. Oh, yeah, not Heavenly Mother. <laughs> yeah, there is Kuzur Mama and Sumama. I know I that Mamu you... is a god. It um, is, yeah, yeah. Mama. But I, I can't remember if Mama is a god, too. I, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Pupu, Isharum, Kuku, Ireum, Zawizuzu, Watarum. So these are... Samash Bitum. Samash is the sun Cuckoo, god. Cuckoo, that was their prophet, right? Kind of <laughs> like ours. <laughs> Ouch. Ilum, Ilum means God. Um, I don't know if it means God in these oh, names. Oh, it would. Yeah, Ilum. Yeah, Just yeah. because uh, uh -huh. words can mean different things. So I sure. And I don't know enough to. Well, Shamash. Yeah. Shamash Bitum. Shamash. Yeah, that, Isn't that like sun, sun, sun god? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I did look that one up, and, and Samash or Shamash is, is the sun god. It's like Samson in the Bible. His name comes from right, son. right, right. Yeah, very good. Um, you know, and and like <laughs> that's the whole part of the whole thing with Samson is he has this long golden hair, long golden and hair, then it, and just yeah. like the sun's is always depicted as having these yeah. rays coming off, and then yeah. he gets his glory cut off. I, I've heard somewhere he no where, longer where shines. It's basically a codified sun myth. The whole story. I've heard that too. Kind of, Don't know if it's true. I, I but, haven't looked into that a whole lot. So yeah, maybe someday we'll do that. But so these yeah, are so these are the more popular ones, more common ones, I should yeah, say. Yeah, and so well, those look kind of etherish. <laughs> well, the <laughs> the problem is that none of them, no, come on, none of the names in ether are more common Acadian names, as far as my as you can tell. Yeah, as my investigation. So you're saying you went through several different uh, digs or excavation places where they were listing these 
So I didn't. There was one study that, that collated all oh, of oh, these yeah, yeah. from different okay. digs right. together and then just lit, had a giant list of the names. It okay. It's like thousands of names. So I right. I just went through that list. Okay. I'm with you. Um, Interesting. None of them are there. Okay. Yeah. And so you would kind of expect that if they were a breakoff from the empire of Akkad, that they would be using at least some of the more common Akkadian names. You know, it'd be like if... Okay, now that's a fair supposition. If, if I, I would think so. You know, if somebody broke off from England yeah. in like the 1600s, you would expect some people to be named John or yeah, Daniel exactly. or yeah. Peter or, yeah. you know, you like even if not everybody has that name, you would expect at least like one or two to sure. slip in, sure. you know, that, of, of the more would, common names. That would seem reasonable to me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not like a smoking gun but it's kind of like well it gives it, us an indication it ain't potential. helping your case <laughs> it's not helping yeah yeah that's fair that seems fair to me yeah ah. and oh there was something i was gonna say about this and i was like no let's wait till later but uh, i can't remember now um well if it comes to me then i will bless you all with the deep wisdom. Um, let's move on. So we've talked a lot about linguistics specifically and just like, uh, oh, oh, I remember, I remember. Yeah. So with linguistics, so like these names, um, something that's important is with my hypothesis with Joseph Smith doing a comparison to the KJV mm -hmm. is there doesn't have to be any stronger linguistic connection other than you look at the word and you try to make something that sounds similar to the names in, in the KJV. Okay. But, because that's what he would have probably done. Right. But with a hypothesis like this, like saying, okay, well, they were speaking Akkadian. Now all of these connections. So these somewhat close ones, you now have to establish a linguistic uh, lineage. Okay. Between these words. Um, so for example, you have words like butter and butthole and you can you can take you can be like wow the first four <laughs> letters of these words are the same so like maybe they're they're like but it's they're nowhere near really yeah, yeah right yeah, but etymologically they come from completely different words right right so right. you know if if we're actually trying to say that there is a genuine linguistic connection here like an ancient connection then you have to now provide us with that connection you can't just be like this word looks close right 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 i'm with you so yeah. I, I think that that is a very important point okay um so like we have we have shim and shimti and um like it could be that um are they gonna see that mouse cursor thing? i don't know i don't i don't, know I don't even know if anyone's seeing anything <laughs> we haven't checked we well when i when i uh presented it earlier and then we they flipped back and they were like yeah we can see it okay good. so so i'm, if, I'm just if like they can't we'll hear about it i'm just going on that trust we'll do a second version <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll have a chalkboard behind us next time. yeah it'll, it'll be like dnc 27 like this is the book of commandments version and then we'll have to do <laughs> the dnc version we'll have to add a whole bunch of stupid <laughs> shit yeah. just like joseph smith did all right we can uh, do that okay so okay so jerusalem why the question mark what's going on here yeah so th this is another thing that i think is very pertinent to consider. So we've talked a lot okay. about linguistics. Um, right. And I think that linguistics can tell you a, a whole lot, but it can't tell you everything. Um, and so 
when you're reading the book of ether, you start to get some, not just language, but concepts that emerge. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm with you. And so we have, so like the, the word Jerusalem is not just a Hebrew word. So Jerusalem shows up in the book of ether. And if it just showed up, that would be one thing, but it okay. is attached to a concept of this being like a very important city for God's chosen people. In ether, you're saying. In ether. In ether. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, and that's in that ether 13. Is, that is a problem. Why? Well, like I said, uh, they're breaking. They they have not been in Eurasia for 2,000 years by the time that ether is preaching. Um, uh, now, that's big. They, they, they huh? left before Abraham would have existed. They left before isaac and oh, israel oh, oh, oh. and joseph and okay the akkadian hold on hold on the akkadian I'll, I'll repeat this so that my in case my audience is wondering also so correct me if i'm wrong on this the akkadian uh language we said was about 2500 bc to 500 bc yeah. right right yeah so so the akkadians 2500 bc the tower of babel 2300 23 BC. Okay, so the Jaredites left then, and Ether is 200, so 2,000 years away. And so the reason why we so know... So there's no way they would have known. Abraham, roughly, if I remember from even Nibley's stuff, and his is extremely dated, like 1800 yeah. at deepest, I suspect, if I remember right, 1800... The very, Seven. yeah, the, the very, very early, the very, it's going to be 2000. Yeah, the very wide is 2000 to 1600. 2000 to 1600. That's, that's yeah, for yeah, Abraham. That's, that's what like I the was very... driving. So for 2000 years, and these guys left before 2000. Yes. We can establish that chronologically. Yeah. So what is Ether prophesying about Jerusalem and Abraham and Israel? Right. So, so and Joseph and Lehi and the lost tribes and the new. I see. So this shift of concept here. This starts making it sticky. This is kind of like Br'er Rabbit and the Tar Baby, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Somewhat. <laughs> tar Baby is sticky. Hold it. Yeah. Yeah. So in chapter 13, so the reason why we know Ether is preaching maybe around 200 BC is because in the book of, is it Omni? Um, Omni Limhi. King Limhi sends oh, out from the right. land of Nephi. He's like, we the need to expedition. find expedition. Yeah, we need to find the the, the we need to find Zarahemla. Like we've been That's here. That's right. For, they were looking at Zarahemla for Four. three yeah, generations. Yeah, yeah. What are we're just wasting our time under under the thumb of the Lamanites? So they send out an expedition. It's right around one thirty BC, and they end up finding the remnants. The remnant. That's right. Of the Jaredites. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they find bones. And they find swords that and plates and plates. I told you it wasn't <laughs> clay tablets. See, yeah, history will vindicate Joseph Smith just yet. But on the swords, it's like, well, okay, the wooden handles were rotted away, but the blades hadn't fully like cankered away with rust. So the blades were still. So there. there's some age to it, but yeah. not real ancient age. So they were exactly. destroyed fairly recently. Exactly. They, they, right. 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 So I, I'm in with you. 130 BC. The Jaredites had been destroyed not like crazy long before that. Sure. Um, so that's why I put like very approximately Ether is in sure. 200. 200 BC. That, that perfectly reasonable. Which is almost two, exactly 2,000 years. 2,000 years later. Yeah. Uh, I can remember stuff from 2,000 years <laughs> ago. 
even though we Americans only broke off 400 years ago. So this makes perfect sense that Joseph Smith would have had ether properly prophesying about Jerusalem, Abraham, Joseph, the Atlas. That is astonishing when you think about it. Yeah. So would I be far off in saying it appears just superficially at this point? And, and I go, I know we're just shifting to the concept of concepts here from names to concepts, but this in, in ether to have these concepts just can't work. No. Can it? For example, like even if we're going to say, well, maybe the city of Jerusalem existed, you know, at that point when they left and like it could have meant something to them. You have this idea of the new Jerusalem, which comes from, I think, Ezekiel, which is like 600 ish BC. About that, yeah. And uh, baby, yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. And so, like, the concept of a <laughs> new Jerusalem, the concept of like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't exist. You didn't have tribes of Israel. You didn't have lost tribes. You know, agreed. Agree, and and that is as egregious. That's true. But on your new Jerusalem idea with uh, Ezekiel, five eighty to six hundred BC, even the old Jerusalem. Dude, if it went back to 1500 BC, that's before David was king. Well, that's before right? that's before but Moses. Still, that's before, <laughs> but it's still not early enough. Yeah. We're yeah. talking 2300 BC when the Jaredites left. Yeah. Although so I, this whole thing is problematic as far as concepts. I think if you're going pure Bible, um uh -huh, that uh, -huh. uh Mil seems like it Melchizedek it? was the king of Salem, is that right? Uh, yeah, and yeah, so and that's you know that that's like uh, contemporary with Abraham, so eighteen hundred ish. And so, yeah. if you're going Spirit. pure Bible and you don't look at any archaeology, then you could say that Salem is Jerusalem, right? It's an sure, earlier version, sure. and so you know you you could you're say that. Still not but, far enough back, are you? Yeah, you're still uh, like four hundred years off. Four hundred, yeah, but. As, as far in time, just to give the audience context, this is, you know, you say, well, 400 ain't that much. Hold on now. We're talking from the time. Plymouth Rock. That's what I was just getting ready to say. We're talking the time of the pilgrims of Plymouth Rock, you guys. Just barely getting here to our day. They're holding hands. That's how big a time gap 400 years is. Passing around maize, having the first Thanksgiving. They're like... just starting to learn to put those little fish in the holes <laughs> to with their seeds for fertilizer that we learned in grade school. Uh -huh. That's a while ago. Yeah. Corn, ah, Cornucopia. That's back in Standish's time. Yeah. Yeah, this is before <laughs> Richard Nixon, for those of you who are really wondering. <laughs> Am I right, Paul? Yeah, Paul. Paul is nodding in agreement. <laughs> so, who? Oh, know, what Ether, a great question! Ether is giving this whole speech. Who is he preaching to? Like, what? And if God is revealing all of these things to him about the, the old world that nobody has any connection to, what is God's goal here? Yeah, because nobody in his day would have known about Abraham. No, or or <laughs> or Jerusalem. Or, any or, of those things uh, on the list. Now, there's your point. Jer the lost tribes. Yeah, none of that. New Jerusalem. The seed of Joseph. The house. Of oh, wow. Okay, go back. Go back. Yeah. Who is he preaching for? What is God's goal here? What is God's goal here? Y yeah. And so this is the analogy that I came up with. So imagine okay. that right now you... You, you head to Mars and you start a colony 
and they lived there for 2000 years with no earth contact. Okay. Okay. And uh, then uh, one of your descendants is there and someone is trying to convert them to their religion by telling stories about people and places on earth that came into existence a thousand years after you left. So you've been gone for 2000 years and this person comes up and he's like, I wouldn't know him at all. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, you know, a thousand years ago back on earth, all this stuff happened and uh, you should convert to my religion. <laughs> okay show me the baptismal that's, that that is the that is the equivalent that's interesting yeah 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 they they, they have had no contact for 2000 years these concepts they wouldn't even have a context for the concepts no, would no they? they did not exist when they left they've been split off for 2000 years and then this dude just stands up and he's preaching <laughs> and he's, he's just like, and it like it literally, the preachings of ether are indistinguishable from fantasy and would convince nobody. So, you know, and it's trying to be all sympathetic in, in ether 13. And it's like, and nobody believed him and he had to go and live in Iraq. It's like, well, why did nobody believe him? Let's take two, one, like half a step back and, and look at it for a second. <laughs> like you would have to be insane to believe him at all. At all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> How interesting. Okay. So that, yeah, that's, that's. And uh, th this is in the middle of all of um, Ether's preachings in Ether 13. Okay. We, we hit verse eight and I, I maybe could have included a couple other verses around this, but he says, wherefore the remnant of the house of Joseph shall be built upon this land. And it shall be a land of their inheritance, and they shall build up a holy city unto the Lord, like unto the Jerusalem of old, and they shall no more be confounded until the end come when the earth shall pass away. Um, Now I can't get that Mars thing out of my head. <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, so what? That would be my response. So, yeah. I mean, who, who are these people? Why do, right, I, so let's, why let's, do I care? What's the point of Jerusalem? But that doesn't mean a thing to me. That's interesting. But let's dig into this from our modern perspective. Okay. The house of Joseph shall be built on this. The remnant of the house of Joseph, Joseph shall be built upon this land. In other places in the Book of Mormon, you know, it's 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 all talking about the, the Lamanites being the remnant of the house of Joseph. And, uh, you know, it's like this, this book is for the Lamanites, the Lamanites, and it's, it's to convert them, et okay. cetera, et cetera. And it just didn't, it never did. Like the Book of Mormon has never been a major factor for Native Americans. Um, oh my gosh. That's a good point. And I'm going to, I've been talking to Jonathan Neville with the Heartland Theory and he's saying, yeah, that whole, that whole charade down there in Mesoamerica. I mean, the church, I mean, when that comes back to bite these guys, that's going to massacre them because they're in the wrong continent. We're going to need a third Camorra. We're going to need a third Camorra, yeah. We're going to have to hope the, the cave there is big enough that all the brethren can run into it and hide. Huh. They got a big How one in interesting. Yeah, it's true. Granite Mountain. Got, got, some, got some records in there. there. That is the third Camorra. Dude. Other, I'll, I'll, bet, I'll bet some. I'll bet some parents are naming their kids Joseph right now. Other Camorras I have. Which What's are your not last name? Uh, Fritzenheim. Well, Joseph Fritzenheim. That'll work. <laughs> other Camorras I have, which are not of this fold. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is kind of shocking. Uh, yeah, and so none, none of this, like looking none at, of this jives. Look, yeah, looking at this prophecy, it shall be a land of their inheritance, and they shall build up a holy city unto the Lord, like unto the Jerusalem of old. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I think you can just interpret it however you want. I like. don't know who the house Which of is, Joseph would be. So who cares about a remnant? Yeah, the remnant of the house of Joseph. I think in the context of the Book of Mormon, that is supposed to be the Lamanites. The Lamanites. I, okay. Okay. I think if you read the rest of the Book of yeah, Mormon. Yeah, because they have to become white and delights and people. Right. They have to curse. Right. Just saying. <laughs> um, Pretty silly, and but they, and I they didn't shall, write the book. And they shall no more be confounded until the end come when the earth shall pass away. I don't know what that no means. No more be either. confounded. Yeah. What, who, who was and why and how and where and when. <laughs> right. So if you say, huh. okay, remnant of the house of Joseph, let's not care about Manasseh at all. That's just Ephraim. And we're just going to do a bunch of patriarchal blessings and say that everybody in Utah is Ephraim. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's then, pretty much what they do. Isn't it? And then we're going to, we gonna... haven't heard anybody from Cain yet, even though they gave him the priesthood lately. Right. Since well, 1978. The patriarchs are terrified to give black people the lineage of Cain. Oh, that's right. They did yeah, that a couple right? of times. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, that's, ooh, that's a that's political right. The lineage of Cain in the patriarchal well, What are you going to do? Tell them they're from Ephraim? Come on, get real. They never thought that one through, did they? <laughs> um, so, you know, you. I, I think an apologetic interpretation of this would be like, okay, well, Ephraim, that's who it's talking about. Who cares about Manasseh? And we are Ephraim, and we established um, Salt Lake City. But I think even with that, you start to get to this problem where you're like, well, now less than half of the population of Salt Lake City is LDS. Okay. And like, and so you and you start to is... you start to ask like, they shall no more be confounded until the earth shall pass away. Like, and I think you start to have to interpret this in such a way that it becomes essentially meaningless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you currently are seeing a an exodus of people from the church. Does that count as confounding? Like, does the SEC finding the church five million dollars count as confounding? Like, at what point it does certain of them. <laughs> That's for sure. at what point do you and do it's you not just because of the small size of the fine either? <laughs> at what point do you say Yes. Yeah. This, yeah. This, it's confounding. This is yeah, confounding. Yeah, good point. Good you know? point. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think that either this is a failed prophecy or well, what confounds us is the idiot lunatic apologetics is coming out of the church leadership. And what confounds the church leadership is that nobody's believing them much. <laughs> well, I think from the so... church leadership, there are almost no apologetics and it is very much just thought stopping cliches, you know, like doubt your doubts. Oh, what a way it's... to put it. That's not, that's not enough cliches. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> that's, I was, I'm going to put that on one of my podcasts. It's not mine, days. so feel free. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. You plagiarized it. For, so you, I, yeah. you, Joseph Smith. You, you invited you. a plagiarist right. into, under your roof. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, this this is very interesting how you present this. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, e so either, either like it's a failed prophecy or... It does. It's a meaningless prophecy because you have to reinterpret it so that it doesn't mean anything, basically. And, and, and technically, both are equivalent because failed prophecies <laughs> are meaningless. Yeah. So, so okay, let's, there's let's get, the million dollar question. Let's let's get to like the the thesis of all of this. What was our boy, old Dude. Joe, doing? Um, no, he was young. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's right. A young pe- a young guy could not have written that book being uneducated like it was. No. According to the current false narrative, according to Richard Bushman. Yeah, only yeah. an yeah, only an old guy. But you can't so do that. Because... Adam Clark. Why do I care about him? Adam Clark. Who okay, is so who is this? I, I imagine that probably a lot of the listeners. I mean, have... it sounds like a first man type of name. It does. Clark could be Clark Kent. Is he the first Superman or something? I mean, who's he? Why do I care about him? You know, actually, just this is kind of funny. Adam means man in Hebrew, and Clark is a clerk. It, it does. So there this, you go. So a if you just clerk. like man clerk, that's that's uh, what his name means. That's funny. there you go. But, <laughs> Man clerk. So, so what Genesis does man clerk 11, have to what's, say? What's this man clerk? Genesis 11. Okay. Yeah. So Adam Clark wrote, he was a Methodist preacher and he spent 40 years on a Bible commentary. It's like seven volumes or something. I think the. That's far more impressive than most of our church leaders do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think the 40 old. 40 years. Huh? The, the first, I, I can't remember. I think he published New Testament first and I think he put that out in 1811. And then I think the second set was the Old Testament, and that came out in 1825. Okay, so I Joseph mean, Smith safe. He didn't have access to this. Well, he wrote in 1829, so. Yeah, but I, I promise there's somebody out there who will say that he didn't have access <laughs> to that. So. so we know that in 1831, and this comes out from BYU, which I'm sure a lot of people listening are familiar with this by now. It's What is his name? Wayman? Is that the? Wayman. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and he Haley, just recently wrote the New Testament is... retranslation from the Greek too. Oh, yeah. cool! Yeah, Thomas Wayman. Thomas Wayman and Haley Lamont. I think they did, they did a study where they were like, "Hey, something like forty percent of all of the changes in the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, eighteen thirty one, um, are directly from Adam Clark's wow, commentary on said, the Bible." They said it was that high. I, I believe so. I, I, I haven't, haven't read it. his study yet. I haven't looked at it for a bit. So. Huh. Um, so that's pretty significant, 40%. That's really huge. So, right. So by 1831, we know that Joseph had full access to the Adam Clark. to Adam Clark's yeah, yeah, Bible yeah. commentary. Yeah. And okay. so it is not a crazy stretch of the imagination to, to picture him two years earlier also, if not having direct access, then having at least exposure from preachers. Yeah. Now, and the reason why we can verify that, I would say, and it might be indirect, but uh, my good friend, Doug Vincent, my, it's been a couple months now, we did that Erie Canal podcast yeah. and showing the serious change. And it was, it was by 1825 when it was completely finished, mm. the availability of information overnight completely exploded it yeah. was available and it was available almost instantly we're talking just three days and from one end of the count the other you could have a book yeah. that's faster than we get today in some respects so uh -huh. so that's true he would have been well known i mean if he was that popular for 40 years and wrote that month yeah so that's it you know amazon is one river so we have amazon prime they had like eerie prime back then right yes yeah yeah eerie prime yeah <laughs> there we go that's a good way to put it i like that dude you're creative <laughs> okay so let's so, let's take so on the on the tower of babel episode in in uh, Adam Clark's commentary, this is the first like 10, 11 verses of, of Genesis 11. And he says the proper names and their significations given in the scripture seem incontestable evidences that the Hebrew language was the original language of the earth. The language in which God spake to man and in which he gave the revelation of his will to Moses 
and the prophets. And then he quotes some man named Amesworth, Ainsworth, sorry, mm-hmm. I, I don't know who that is, another scholar. It was used. That, that's Mr. And Mrs. Ainsworth's son. <laughs> well, now we know. Now we know. It was used in all the world for 1,757 years till Peleg, the son of Heber, was born. And the Tower of Babel was in building 100 years after the flood. After this, it was used among the Hebrews or Jews, called therefore the Jews' language, until they were carried captive into Babylon, where the holy tongue ceased from being commonly used, and the mixed Hebrew or Chaldee came into it, Aramaic. That's what we Aramaic. That we would call it today. So he is stating something very interesting theologically here, isn't he? Yeah. So he's saying basically that Hebrew is the pure tongue, what we might call Adamic, and the very first one, right. And it's what God used to speak to man and back in the Tower of Babel. Yes. And then is, am I reading that right? Hold on. 750 then, years later, tell Peleg, son of Heber. Right. Because and the Tower of Babel was in building 100 years after the flood. And he's saying the Hebrew language was there. Right. Yes. Am I reading that and right? So Pe- yeah, yeah, Peleg, yeah. in I, I think it's also in Genesis. That was 11. when all the continents were all one. Well, it, it says that in the days of Peleg, the land was divided and you get like Joseph F. Mm-hmm. Smith mm-hmm. who has a whole interpretation on it that says <laughs> everything was Pangea until Peleg. Until Peleg, yeah. yeah. Joseph Fielding Smith also said we'd never be going to the moon. Yes. Those Quakers have to be in isolation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then you have Heber and that is uh, where the, at least in the Bible, the etymology of Hebrew Comes Hebrew from, comes from, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. From, <laughs> yeah. Um, Interesting. Not that that's necessarily How, no, of course, true, not. but um, yeah, no, yeah, not <laughs> anywhere close. However, <laughs> hey, it sounds good in Joseph Smith's day. Yeah. So the uh, point of all of this is basically this: this this is two different scholars of the time mm-hmm. in a popular Bible commentary that was available to Joseph Smith, saying, "Hey, Hebrew was the original language, and it was spoken all the way up until the Tower of Babel." And then only the branch through Heber remained speaking Hebrew until the exile. Now, lest some in my audience and you too, sincerely, I'm going to tell you a true story. When I was at Rick's College, granted, it was ancient history now back in the 1980s. But uh, my religion teacher completely had a testimony that Hebrew was the Adamic tongue. And he said, oh, it's the original. There's no question. He said, when you kids grow up and mature and you're able to study a little further into the theology of the church and and when you really do get a full depth of study in Joseph Smith and all, you will see why he studied the Hebrew in the School of the Prophets. And you will see how it helped him translate the papyri because this was the very first language and it's the language Adam spoke. And I was 23 or 24 at the time when he told me that. No joke right there at Rick's College. So this this, this is not just a concept in Joseph Smith's day. It right. is still believed right now in the church, just right. so you know, at the college level. And they're teaching the youth this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, so if if, huh. if we remember back to my Hebrew slide, Hebrew doesn't start to become a language until 1200 BCE. 1200. And yeah, the first yeah. actual inscription we have of Hebrew is 1000. 1000, yeah. 
Um, and that BCE, is, yeah. yeah, that is in sort of this like proto Hebraic script that geezer calendar or something like that. Yeah. It was one yeah, of the I old ones way remember. back when. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't exactly remember the specific artifact, but yeah, it's something like that. Um, and then, you know, it's, but the thing is we have many other languages that are attested before that. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and without, like you said, with thousands of clay tablets too. And we also doc. have to be cognizant of the evolution of cognizant. Language. Is that Hebrew? <laughs> Sorry. Sound French. French. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Of, we have to be cognizant of what? Of the evolution of language. Exactly. And that's something, no joke. I'm, I'm not making this up. That's something that the prophets and the <clears throat> apostles and the college professors don't accept yeah is that nuts well it's crazy I mean, when you study the history of languages you can definitely see where they're tracing it from but yes so the church doesn't believe that That's one right. of the purest examples is latin oh we have, isn't it though we yeah. have so no so many writings <laughs> of classical latin and yeah. from the classical period we have writings all the way up to the present day, like with without gaps, like you can go and yep, see yep. how did Italian develop, how did Spanish Absolute develop, French, French, Portuguese, Romanian, yeah, all the Dalmatian, uh, Tosharian, you know, like all yeah, of these yeah. romance. We can trace it almost year by year. Yeah, there's no break, and and we're talking, we're talking. Well, at least two thousand years. Two thousand years. Yeah. yeah, it'd be two thousand years. Yeah. We're twenty twenty three, right? Yeah, classical Latin is from like what is it? It's like 100 BC to 200. Well, when or when like did Caesar say, "I came, I saw, I kicked their ass"? <laughs> oh, that wasn't quite how he said it, but still, it's what <laughs> was, he did. Was that Caesar? <laughs> weenie weenie weeki. Yeah, weenie weenie weeki. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're talking about a Ouija board. Dude. Hey, maybe that's where it came from, from the Hebrew. From okay, the check, check Hebrew. this out. The reformed Hebrew. You, to the you, you go to Wendy's and you buy weed and a Ouija board. <laughs> Wendy's weed and Ouija. <laughs> we're getting deep. now we're studying the mysteries. <laughs> Oh, Wendy's oh, weed and weed cheat you. Oh, I just my. made that up. You heard it here. Okay. okay. <laughs> I wish we could see the comments. I'd love to see what they're saying about that. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Yeah. So, That's very important. Yeah. So here. evolution of language, like we, it is a process that we know that it happens. And this is a thing that I always come back to is in order to accept one proposal, what other things do you have to deny? Because it's it's never like it's, it's it's never a positive sum game. It's always a zero sum game, uh, meaning oh. that if this is going to if we're going to accept this, we have to deny this. We can't yeah. just say I accept and this remains neutral. You, okay. you have to say I accept this and you have and this. Therefore, this? this is not true. Uh, like mm -hmm. like language, like to say right. Hebrew is the original language. You have to say I deny how just linguistics and how oh, languages sure, change sure. over time. All right. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like the dating of the earth. That's that's another one. To say the earth is 6,000 years old, you have to deny geology and there just yeah. so many other branches of science. science you know, and all that. Yeah, weird stuff. <laughs> um, Rod Meldrum to the contrary. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so Joseph basically thought... Oh, here we are. That, uh, yeah, that Hebrew was Adamic. Yeah. The pure tongue. 
And so in these luminaries' minds, Adam Clark and Ainsworth, Ainsworth. apparently, that's and now Smith, and now, yeah, now now Joseph Smith, um, that this was the the state of affairs at the time. And so, like I like I said at the start, my hypothesis is that. Joseph decided, I am going to come up with names and sprinkle them throughout the Book of Ether to provide a verisimilitude of authenticity, according to my 19th century understanding of third millennium BC linguistics. Which scholars will back me up because he had yes. Adam Clark. Yes. Uh, so actually, that's what wouldn't you suppose that that is kind of what helped make the Book of Mormon more acceptable Absolutely. to his contemporaries, because everybody would have been familiar with Adam Clark, right? I mean, he, he did 40 years on that, and he was the he was the one to go to, kind of like Russell M. Nelson is the one to go to today for believing Mormons. Yeah, I read that his commentary was one of, if not the most popular for at least a couple decades. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's enough to, and it, that means it definitely would have been spread around because of that Erie Canal. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't like, I, I don't know, like actual studies on that, looking for quotes, like specifically, oh, right, like looking still, for, so like. We'll but, assume it for now until <laughs> we're proven wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're right. Just believe us. Um, so let's go back to linguistics. Um, okay. Let's. And th this is what we were talking about earlier. These are um, the names, names of ether. So we have, we have 69 names. Um, okay. And so of, of those 26 are exact. Um, th that's about 38%. Uh, 14 of them or about 20% are one letter off. 18 of them or about 26% are similar. And 11 of them or about 16% are unknown. And going back to my hypothesis that Joseph Smith is trying to make it look like this could have, they could have been speaking Hebrew and come from essentially the Tower of Babel speaking Hebrew and had their language preserved. I think that these numbers beautifully support that hypothesis because we have like basically 60% of the names are either exact or one letter off. And then another quarter of them, another 26% are pretty similar. Are pretty similar, yeah. And then we have this. Kind so of, that would have been the base of his operation instead of just simply making stuff up out of his head he was going to the bible to try to say okay let me make this look like it's old yes and again that kind of fits uh, vogel's hypothesis in his book abraham stuff where he was saying vogel and i had lots of good long phone calls where he was saying well joseph smith was trying to establish that the priesthood itself is a theological concept the came through the fathers it went back to the original father who adam of course and then it came through the father so he was trying to get back as far as he could so this chart we're looking at right now makes sense of why there's so much similarity to the biblical names and like you said we developed we went from linguistics to concepts which makes good sense from joseph smith's point of view adapting adam clark that it's all going to be somewhat hebraic biblical hebraic slash biblical uh, not only in looks, but in concept. Did I give any of that wrong? Just all of it. Just kidding. <laughs> Dang it. I didn't look through my seer stone, did I? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I got to find it. You gotta, yeah, you got to polish that thing, dude. I've got weights over here. Don't look count. They're kind of round. <laughs> <laughs> 
want to curl some weights while we're only we, if we could work out while we're teaching only if they have like bands of brown in them you know nope they're all silver silver steel so i wanted to to round out the conversation oh by... good idea you're going to try to be objective oh wait, those are objections <laughs> my objective objections yeah that, that could be like a, a segment on your podcast objective objections. there you go yeah so how would you do with that person <clears throat> Okay. What about prophecy? Yeah. What so, about prophecy? Revelation. So let, let me just go through. Not only in the future, but in the past. Yeah. That's let, per Joseph Smith. What, the Hebrew name, Asaph. Which name? What? Joseph. Asaph. It's ancient. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me just read these really quick and then I'll kind of like hit them. So here are the objections I could think of. This is what an apologist might say. Some of the names are supposedly given by prophecy. Some are supposedly pre-Babel. Um, some are anglicizations and single syllable words aren't as impressive. And some of the similarities are too loose. Um, so of the names pretty being good. given by prophecy, I think we covered that pretty well with the yeah. fact that these prophecies that Ether is giving our humbug yeah, like they pretty, pretty flimsy stuff yeah. thin gruel yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that it, it would not I have made sense to any of the listeners and so it, it doesn't even make sense that these names would be coming through prophecy okay now why would someone hold on let's go to the second one yeah some are supposedly pre-babble why would that even how would you get to that if it's still i, I mean pre-babble doesn't help as an objection, does it? It does. How would that help? So Yared, the, the name Jared, that's like the third or fourth generation from Adam or something. So this is one of the, the fathers, like the, the very first in the in the, the generation. Oh, you're of thinking time. in Joseph Smith's day. In Joseph. Well, th so this is if you're taking like biblical uh literally, biblical literacy, like this is literal. Okay. Um okay. then you're saying Jared existed. The, before oh, before Babel, because he's leaving at the tower. No, no, no. This is in the Bible. It's like Adam, oh, Seth, oh yeah, 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 Jared, Enoch, or whatever. You know, whatever. Okay, the, okay. The Jared, are. Noah, Cain. Yeah, I'm with you. So, okay. So Noah is pre, sure. is pre Babel. Cain, Cain is pre Babel as well. Mm -hmm. So somebody could say that. Oh well, those are pre Babel. So they existed. Like I'm not going to worry about those names. Actually, it's pure Babel. <laughs> oh, sorry. Pre-Babel, yeah. Uh, but, you know, one of the problems with that is Babylon, that, Babylon. <laughs> that these names have etymologies. You know, so like Yarad means to like, I think it means to draw up. I think so. If, yeah. I, if I remember right. So like it has an etymology through Hebrew. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, so, and since Hebrew and Semitic languages don't exist until like later in time, um, it's just a problem. It's a problem. Noach, that I can't remember what that means. But that, I, I'm trying to think too. I, I can't. And Cain, I can't. Cain, I can't, can't remember, remember what that one means. It's either, been too but, long. Um, I, I think probably the I'm most impressed. You got the pronunciations right. Noah <laughs> is Noah. not Noah. It's Noah. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that. Yeah. Ket, the cat, not the. Yeah. Not the hay. Is it probably the most? Um, valid objection that I would recognize are these anglicizations like Egypt. You know, right. if if they're just using whatever word they use for Egypt and Joseph just renders it as Egypt, like, yeah, sure. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Give it to you. And Jesus Christ, the reason why I don't like that one is just because it's like, it's coming through Revelation and for some reason 
nobody in the world knows that Jesus Christ is going to be named Jesus Christ until after, except for people in the writings of Joseph Smith. Yeah. Except for right. Nephi and right. Jacob. Technically, and... Christ is not a name anyway. Right. That's a, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Jesus Christos. Yeah, Jesus isn't even the anointed savior. It's yeah, supposed to be Joshua. Yeah, yeah, that's more of a description, not a name. The anointed savior. Yeah, yeah. and so like the so. well, so you know, even Christ itself, right? I should have put that in the concepts, Christ, because it is it is a oh, it is a Israelite there, yeah, yeah. Judahite concept. This um, the Messiah, um, yeah. like having an anointed, like that's that's all over the. No, they called King Cyrus the Christ. Exactly, they really did. That's I'm not being facetious yeah. here. Kodesh. It's in. Can't remember what old Messiah. It's it was when uh, he was, Isaiah. It's like forty-two or something. Isaiah forty-two. Oh, it would because he was he was getting ready. To, he was helping the Jews rebuild the second temple. It's in Deutero yeah. Isaiah. Yeah, it is in Deutero Isaiah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Colby Townsend probably told me that. I'm not forgot. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't like I don't like putting so, Jesus Christ right, as right. as an objection because like right. Christos is Messiah Mashiach. That is a that is another Hebrew concept, and like it didn't exist yeah. before the the Hebrews, basically. Right. Um, that now, makes sense. Th this one is just single syllable words aren't as impressive. I like right. I agree with that, but I think when you get more and more and more of them matching, then it does start to become more impressive. Okay. So we have twelve to thirteen names. It depends on how you count Cain, because in Hebrew, Cain. Is two syllables, but in English we just say Cain, one syllable. So right, twelve right. to thirteen names out of the sixty-nine are single syllable. Four to five of those, because we have Cain, direct are hits. direct hits. And then I can't remember how many. There was like another six or seven of them that were uh, like either one letter off or partial hits. So out of out of and, the and if if someone ever said, well, some similarities are too loose. Who cares? Uh, that's like the criticisms about Dennis McDonald's parallels to the Homeric Greeks with the New Testament. Of course, you're going to have loose similar. Nothing's ever totally 100% perfectly tied. So what? Yeah. Well, you know, we'll we'll jump to my list um, okay. and we can you can I'll show. Oh, you there some, you go. <laughs> I'll show you Good some of the ones right there that I think are too loose, but whatever. OK, um, so conclusion, there is too much Hebrew and too little Akkadian. And it should be flip-flopped. Yeah. That true, truly on the chronological table, that is bass backwards. Unfortunately for Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it's just so unfortunate that he happened to pick a time and place that we have a lot of records <laughs> a from. A lot of records. <laughs> I almost am not exaggerating as saying a mountain of records. And they still haven't translated the majority of them. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, over half a million Akkadian records, yeah. and there are, and several thousand of those are just from the third millennium. Right. Yeah, just um, that one era. Most of them are from uh, second millennium and first millennium, mm -hmm. um, but there are like thousands of them from the third millennium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they go way back. Yeah, and yeah, just very unfortunate for him that he picked the exact time and place. <laughs> well, you know, it's tough establishing the priesthood from the fathers. <laughs> And then, okay, and then this is kind of a maxim that I always come back to whenever I'm dealing with any issue um, related to faith is I say, okay, if you got presented 
like the exact same data or just similar data by a different faith, by Jehovah's Witnesses or Islam or Hinduism or whatever, what would you conclude? If somebody else presented yeah. you similar data, what would you conclude? Yeah, that's... And, you know, I'll let you answer that yourself. But for me, I would not come to the conclusion that it was true. Yeah, that's a pretty good... That That's actually a pretty good maxim because what that'll do is it will shift the balance at least a little bit. It could help you potentially go this direction from being a little bit more subjective into trying to see it realistically okay don't tell me you would join the church if it was jehovah's witness right. i mean be just a little real you know you're never going to join the jehovah's witnesses anyway but yeah. if they showed you this do you think it would give them give you a better chance i honestly don't think so, so. get your engines going yeah. yeah and um very good yeah yeah oh that, that's gonna... that's fair honestly that is fair yeah, you know, I don't I, think that's a gotcha moment. No, I think it's a moment of like serious reflection. Apologists, what they're what I found that the goal of apologists often is, is to they, they get you they want you to answer yes to one question. Is it possible? And if they can get you to answer yes to is it possible, then their work is done. And but, you that's know, it's interesting point. Yeah. I, I am not very interested in what is possible i'm a lot more interested in what is probable and uh, so that that is and, why and i ask this question yeah and, and if i can just reiterate for my audience sake that's not that's not a cliche because i've said that several times to my audience as well because i've done this Bayes theorem type study since i read richard carrier and and uh, others and that's not just a cute comment that really is a viable that that's quite frankly serious you have to get to that point not to what is possible but what is probable because they aren't the same it's like we've been told the church wants its apologists to say look we got to have an answer yeah just give them an answer and so now the apologists can say well they can point to the church essays to use a silly example well actually a serious example well we've answered that well, that's not the point. That's irrelevant. I'm yeah. not looking for an answer, right? I'm looking for the best answer. Right. I'm, I can give you an answer to anything, but so what? Because anything is possible. Because that's, anything, that's the problem. But the answer doesn't mean there's value to it. Right. So that's why I'm saying Benny is not just throwing out a platitude when he said, well, we're not looking up possible but probable i know there's been some people who've tried to make that look like it's oh yeah now you're just being cute or you're just throwing out no uh, -uh. there's that's a pretty serious difference so and you know in my out. kind of faith journey what i realized is that you know i would come up against a particular problem and for me like truth claims were always very essential to my personal like religious experience and connection right. I, know, I know other people they're very interested in like the, the social aspects or the emotional aspects, you know, they have a personal connection with God. All valid, more um, or less. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. which is definitely, which is awesome. But that, sure. that was never it for me. It was mostly truth claims for me. Um, and Come on, so, piss up. You just wanted to sin, didn't you? I, that's the only, that's the only <laughs> real truth claim. Let's... <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but seriously, you know, that used to be one of the defenses. And <laughs> nowadays, because not only because of how the Internet has treated the church, but the way the reaction of the church has been with all these rescue missions and with the essays and all that, and the way the apologists are starting to answer stuff, you can see how utterly stupid it is. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just want to sin. Now, now they realize, uh-oh, it's because we've been BSing too much with the history and the theology, like this book of Ether. Right, right, right. And yeah, and so as I would come up against whatever it was, like Joseph Smith having, you know, 30 plus wives, or Brigham Young said this, or Joseph Smith said this, or the book of Abraham, papyri say this, or, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I got to a point where I, I came up with like a razor. And it was like, okay, if I were to... Was it Occam's? Did you steal it? Ba basically. Basically uh -huh. Occam's razor, but it, like a variation. And it's like, if if I were to cut this, um, cut the probability on this being for or against, would I end up with greater than 50% probability or less than 50% probability? And the thing is, less likely things do happen. Like... Oh, sure. All, yeah. you know, all the time. But Just they, less they don't happen most of the time, right? Or they, or they would not be less likely. And so, if if you are coming to a, a an issue and you have to admit, like, yeah, it is less likely that the faithful interpretation is true, and that happens over and over and over and over and over in every single like situation that you come up against, you have to side with the less likely side. <laughs> then that adds up, huh? Exactly. I can see Paul over there nodding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why we this, need to show him on this. this do you want to come say hi? Oh, he got a he got a look of terror <laughs> we're gonna, we're on gonna, his face. We're gonna have Paul just pop in for a yeah, second. Yeah. Just stay calm. You're gonna get your moment of fame. We haven't been on the screen for two hours now. I hope they can hear this. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like 20, just like 20 minutes two, of an two and eight half hours slide. of total silence. I'll never hear the end of that one. Oh, okay. And then let's right, let's so jump over to let's go see the stream yard to see if they're okay. still here and we're they're listening to us. Probably more than fifty percent likely. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, we Is got that... comments from like one minute ago there. Okay. There well, yeah, there. but they could be talking to each other, not us. <laughs> Well, they... See, they're not even talking about our subject. Now, that's typical of chat groups. All right, yeah, we're good. <laughs> they're ignoring us. That's good. That means good. it's a healthy chat group. Okay, so that let's... means we can say stuff and get away with it. They're not listening to us. <laughs> let's, All right, uh... so here's this interesting chart. Yeah, let's. Can we collapse this? Okay, great. There you go. Um, so here's here's my table. Um, and I, I had a document where I had it like a little more in depth and I had like comments on some of these, but I consolidated it. It's all good. All into a table. So um, here's the name. And then here's if it's a direct hit. And then if it's a partial hit, I have listed what I used to match it partially. And if it's one letter off, then it is also highlighted in blue. And oh, has uh -huh, uh -huh. In, in X in oh, this you've column. kind of organized that really good. Yeah. And then no hit. Okay. And then the direct Acadian. Well, the problem with this com, you see on number 11, com, you have that there's no hit. That's not true because it, this is a future prophecy for the uh, .com processes of the Internet. This was a warning. That's a direct hit. 
Well, but that I'm just helping out. <laughs> I'll have to we'll have to get everything updated. So yeah, down at the bottom, I here's here's the oh yeah, here's your total. This the various totals. Um yeah, so the direct hits, we don't need to like really go over that too much. I think right. it might be interesting to look at some of the Sherrod, yeah. uh, Jared, Zared. That, that's pretty good. Yeah, so Number like 61 there. Yeah, Sherrod, yeah. yeah. we have the names Jared and Zared. Right. And so those are, and I, I count SH as one letter because that's what it is in Hebrew. Sure. Absolutely. Um, it is one. Yeah, the sheen, not the same. It is one phoneme when you pronounce it. Right. Um, so Fair I enough. count that as one After letter. All, off. We are talking Hebrew, not Akkadian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you have names like Shalem. And guess what? You have Shalemiah. Shalemiah. Boy, so, there you go. Hypercharistikon with the ayah. Yeah. So you just drop, Ooh, drop the yah. And that's very Hebraic. So see, you're wrong. There it is, right there. <laughs> yeah, you just drop Hebrew the yah from Shalomaya. Yeah, there you and go. You get Shalom. The Shalom. Uh -huh. um, we also have the Hebrew word for peace, Shalom. Sure. And, and we've got Shibboleth. <laughs> yes. So that that was Shiblom, like Shibboleth uh -huh. and Shalom. That was sure. that was what I I said was close to Shiblom, Shiblom, Shibboleth. Sure. Right. And same for Shiblon. Um, you know, these are ones that you can definitely quibble with and you can be like, okay, Shibboleth, Shiblon, right. that's not close enough. It's S-H-I-B-L, but not close enough, you know. Um, Shiz, you have Shiza, you just drop the A, you know, and you get Shiza. Mm -hmm. Same with Shez. That's and just Shiza. a variation uh -huh. of, right. of Shiz. Right. Um, Zeran and Zeri. Yeah, that one's one letter end. off. You just drop the N. Uh, Shul, the Hebrew like Shul, place Shul. of the dead is Shale. Shul, Shale. It's like you, it's almost pronounced the exact same. So I'm like tempted to mark that as one letter off because, like, yeah. when you pronounce it, it it is just one. But phony. that doesn't mean they're, yeah, they, but yeah, you get into some, right? Yeah, close enough. Yeah. Remember, and, this is a very unscientific study. <laughs> However, there's enough here to merit the concept that Joseph Smith picked the wrong era to put the Jaredites in and it. And explain that they had Hebrew concepts. Well, we're just looking at KJV. We haven't we're, even looked at the Akkadian yet. I know it. So, Replakish, you have these names, Ribla and Lachish La La and Kish. And Kish. Yep, yep. It sounds like Ribla and Lachish. Pagog, Agog. Yeah. Yep. Oraha, Uriah. Oraha, Uriah. Ogath, Gath. Yeah. Nahor, Nahor, Nahor. Oh, that, wait. So, that one is pronounced basically the same. Nahor is the brother of Abraham. And right. I think it's like his grandpa as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's like pronounced the same. So I would almost include that as a direct hit. Um, but I just decided. Yeah. To... Be safe and go and let her. It's all good though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Libna. That, that's, that's the moon in Egyptian, according mm. to Joseph Smith Opera. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maron and Merom. No, that's Moron. <laughs> Moron Merom. and Merom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Morianton, Moriah. I don't know that that one's like maybe a little iffy, but no, it's M O R I A, M O R I A, right? With a different ending. Yeah. Um, right. Maha. I'll let you get away with that, sort of, but not really. And Mahath. Mahath. Yeah. Um, Lib Libna. Lib Libna. And liberated. <laughs> I. <laughs> Uh, I know. Shut up, Kim. Kid. You have so this is this is one of the like one syllable ones. You know, Libna is another one syllable, which people would be like, oh, that's not right. It, it's not like sufficient. So right. some people might like just disregard a lot of those. Right. Kim, you have Kir, which is one letter off, and then you also have Kimham. 
but I don't know how Joseph Smith would have pronounced that. He might have said Chimham, and then you would probably have to throw that one off out. It's like too far. Maybe um, I don't know. Kib Kibroth Hatava. There it is. Jacob almost sounds Hebrew. Kibroth Hatava. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> That's why it sounds that way. That's what I thought. <laughs> Jacob yeah. Jacob Heshlon Heshmon. That's another one letter off. Gilga Gilgal. One letter off. Gilgal Mesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But probably that goes Arcadian. Do you have it over here? No. Oh, I can't believe you left. I know. Well, look, this one's I'll let you get away with that crap this time. And it's Humbaba over here. Which one? What? In the Gilgamesh epic. Oh no, no, no. But isn't that more Sumerian? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really like dig into the Sumerian very hard. I'm just teasing you. Omer and Emer. That's one letter off. Korah, Koram. Uh, that, that's one letter off the K and the C are the same letter in that they're functionally the same in that Korahor, Kora, once again, Kora, Hor. You just add an OR on the mm -hmm. end of that. And that's uh, Kohor, Kohor, Kohoth, Karkor. Karkor. Those are, so this one, right. Omnigata, if you say Armageddon, Omnigata, Omnigata Armageddon, Omnigata. Yeah. The, that, so that, that one's one of the more like iffy. Ones, well, I but, mean, they're all iffy, but, <laughs> I, but I see what you're thinking. Yeah. You're, you're going more with, because I mean, even with spelling, I, all you have to do is be one letter different. That's a completely different word, you know, or yeah. you, they can sound the exact same, but be completely different, right? Yeah. No, I mean, right. Not R I G H T. I mean R I T E. You're getting homophonic. Homophonic, you know, homophonic. Yeah. So these are more homophonic. Yeah. Anyway, but no, no. Yeah, this so is then, yeah. Then Agash Goshen. Agash Goshen. Right. Absalom. So then, in these Akkadian ones, like I said, we only I only had Koram and Kurum, and then right. Kish and Kish. Right. That's that's all I could that's find. Pretty much. Um, and then not much. And Humbaba, you're safe putting that in there too. It, it wouldn't have matched. Yeah, it's because there ain't nothing like Humbaba. There ain't anywhere. Like I mean, Humbaba, I baby. Humbaba, having being great in stature and having been born of goodly parents, uh, uh, it's not working. <laughs> Just say it. I'm uh, here to uh -huh. help. And then my Acadian that I found was uh -huh. a hoo A hoo hoo. Yeah. Um, once again, we already went over a couple of these in the slides. Amigada, Gagada, Ablam, Abulum, Ablu. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So there, there was ones like this, like Ephraim. The closest I could find was Iphurum. Problem but it, with that. But it splits the... Right. Is that it splits the P and the H, but um, right. Ephraim, that, that PH together. is, is Ephraim. one letter. Ephraim. Yeah. Yeah. In Hebrew. Yeah. Um, Etham, Etumi, uh -huh. Gilgal, Galili, Harthram. Hurushtum. It's like kind of kind of close. <laughs> You're starting to remind me of Nibley. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was channeling old Hugh on this. So, yeah. yeah, that's obvious. <laughs> don't hit me. Don't hit me. <laughs> Heth Hatium. So I think that IUM means um like inhabitant or like it. Oh. So I think it's like an inhabitant of this land of hot. I think that's uh, I think that's what Hatium means, but I'm wada, not in a serialist. So. Wadad Tutu. I know this one. I looked this one up. Wadad Serv means like slave, slave or servant, or and there's a god Tutu. So that's the closest I could get to Jared. Wadad. That's just a wadad. Uh -huh. So then you'd have to be like, yeah, Jared means like slave. In mm -hmm. that's what Jared means if you're going with that. 
Um, Kib, you have Kim Noor, Kimani. Yeah, Kimania. Kim, Kimania, Kim Noor, Kimania. Um, Lib, Libur, Liburum, Maha, you have Ma, which means great, exalted. Um, oh, that's interesting. Ma means what? Great? Great or exalted. Ma Heru in, in, in uh, Egyptian is the justified or true voice. Ma Heru, when mm -hmm. they're pronounced, when the feather is in the, oh, even across with, with the balance with of the judgment. Yeah, they call him Ma Heru, the justified. So it means what? Great? Yeah. Great or exalted. Justified, true voice. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um, Nimrod, Namraza, Nimra, Namraza, uh, Noah, Nuum. No, that one's don't like, be a Nimrod. That's not that close. <laughs> <laughs> now know. you are sounding like Nibley. Well, hey, Nibley and Nimrod. That's, that's, that's getting dangerously Whoops, close. I'm getting bad now. I apologize. Ur Ea. Oh, look, Urea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ur the city I'm and Ea to make RFM wild. <laughs> I wonder if it's working. <laughs> and Ea the god, Oraha Ur Ea. Yeah, I don't know. Just I, you know, yeah, right. well, not much, not anyway. much there. So. Yeah, so right, a, a lot fun. of the the partial Akkadian ones are like, eh. Whereas I, I kind of feel like a lot of the partial Hebrew ones, it's like Shelamaya, Shelam, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like Shel Shul, yeah, Sh Shim Shemia. Yeah, this definitely sounds more biblical. Yeah. So there you have it. That's uh that is that is fantastically we, interesting. We no, it. I wow. mean that that is quite the <laughs> that is quite the study. I hope you liked the uh let's the... see if they hey, did you guys hear any of that? Are you even listening to us now? Did you see any of it? Do you even give a fly and flip? Nobody's even here. Where is oh wait, Tim Rathbone's here. So we Debbie need... Donovan. See, they're talking about Kolob. Did we mention Kolob? What the hell are you talking about Kolob for? Co Col okay, this is a perfect example. Kolob. Okay, Kokob in Hebrew means star. Star. Switch one letter. Kolob is the greatest star. So this this is the pattern. So in that Joseph Smith of that Joseph Smith was doing, where he takes a Hebrew word, and then he'll just like change a letter or make it sound in his mind like it is Hebrew. To be like this is legit. So that that is another part of this whole pattern. Interesting. That that is occurring in the Book of Ether. Kolob. He's sharp. That's why I'm having him on this program. Okay. Yeah. This is yes. Okay. Yes, they do. So we're safe. We have been we have been blabbing like crazy, and they have not been paying attention, and we got away with pure murder. We have demonstrated, unbeknownst to the the audience, that Joseph Smith is a completely true prophet, and that he was one hundred percent linguistically accurate and correct in having non-Hebrew Hebrew Akkadian in the Book of Ether, which mm -hmm. is pure baloney. Yeah. So once again, I it's just, just interesting. I, I want to say, like, I'm not a Hebraicist. I am not an Assyriologist. I'm Neither not, am I. I'm not a like professional on anything. This is just me. And I'm sure the professionals will say, yeah, that was not a good <laughs> presentation professionally, but that wasn't what he's trying to show. Yeah. So. This is just me being like, okay, as far as like what you can find in the Hebrew Bible compared yeah. with what's in Ether, and should what we find be there. So in right. order to believe right. this, what do you have to disbelieve? Right. A whole lot. <laughs> but I do have to say, I'm, I'm happy to... Paul, be you want to step in here for a moment? <laughs> Here's a, here, oh, oh, first clap, first clap. Yeah. 
Okay, this is this is our one man audience back over here. This is our beloved friend Paul. Paul, say hi to the people. Hey, everybody. <laughs> we we haven't meant to leave him in the back back, but he said he's a backseat driver, so. There you go. Yeah, we're backseat just... professor. Backseat <laughs> professor. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Well, we got the backyard, the backhoe, and now the backseat. <laughs> Holy cow, it's never going to get back to normal. Crime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you need to get like. <laughs> That, you know, there are some like primatologists who just study like the vertebrae in uh, in primates and they'll look at, you know, all the different fossils and be like, this one comes from, you know, Australopithecus, whatever, you know, and so you could get them in and they can be the backbone professor. The backbone <laughs> professor, there you go. The backhand professor, the backbone. The back yo-yo professor. All right, you guys, thank you for watching this incredible presentation when, yeah, he thank showed, you. when he showed me this uh in saint george i i was really looking for a way to find a wi-fi connection i said dude this is so good i want to i want to show it right now but well, i'm kind of glad we yeah i'm, I'm glad it. i because your slides were much better than I, yeah I, got, I gotta make the slides yeah, yeah 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 those were very helpful i thought so hopefully uh benny has given you something to think well about and we will have him back he does have more research that he's been doing that he's been kind of showing me and so next time i'm either down his direction or he's up here to mine we are going to do some more lives so do you have anything else you'd like to say in closing i'm just happy to be here in the hermetic lab look at this place yes yeah, this is the hermetic holy. This opponents. is where you want to be in an earthquake so that you die by getting beamed in the dome by like beaten to death by a bunch by of like books. twenty nibbly this, books. It's the only way knowledge is gonna get in my thick head is if it's beat in. Yeah. I've always fantasized, you know, that you could uh, wouldn't it be fun to have a superpower to where you could take a book? And put it under your head and absorb it while you sleep. That, that's like the hypocephalus. Yeah. <laughs> the it's, hypocephalus. Yeah, that means under the head. Yeah. In but Greek. I, I mean, for real, I want I don't listen to him. We, we, we already figured it out 2,000 years ago in Egypt. <laughs> Joseph Smith bought one. I don't know if he ever used it. but Right. And, and besides that, the apologists now are trying to put it into Ptolemaic times. Ugh. Idiots. It'll never work. Yeah, Steve hey, Smoot. You're wrong. It's never going to work. Yeah, so. Wait, hand me that, that triple com on oh, the top yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. So yeah. you know how when Joseph Smith was, um, he got the gold plates and he's running through the forest and there's the guys chasing him. It's the first time he got him. Right. If you were in that earthquake, you know, you could be like one of the guys chasing Joseph Smith and just get like hit in the head with the Book of Mormon. And hey, have that you, is possible in this. Did realm. you ever go to the... Uh... By any chance, did you ever go to the Tanner's bookstore? No, and, not and before heft, I closed. Heft that uh, model of the gold I, I never got down there with the true weight. Joseph Smith running through the woods with those plates under his arm and fighting <laughs> off people. Did they, did they have like a sixty no. pound one or like a, didn't happen? No, they had a sixty like a two hundred pound like no, gold. No, it was one. a sixty pound one. And <laughs> there's no way Joseph Smith ran through the woods and fought off people. I'm here to testify. Didn't happen. Nope. Well, I mean, I mean, I had the world champion wrestler Mark Schultz mm -hmm. tell me there's no way in hell he could do it either. <laughs> well, the, he's the, a lot tougher now. You might the apologist answer is he was strengthened by God. Wonderful. 
But I think for me, part of the problem with an answer like I mean, that is that as soon as you involve, as a shorthand, I call it a magic wand, then it becomes indistinguishable from any other story involving a magic wand. Yeah. It, I think it, that's the problem um, for me. Um, and this will get back to the excellent point you made too. In all seriousness, the difference between possibility and probability. With probability, there's only one thing that can change, actually change a probability, and that's actual evidence. Not a claim and not a not a statement. Claims are not evidence. Claims are not evidence. They're a, or a hypothesis or a spiritual invocation, whatever. It's nice. It's nice for faith. But the only thing, the only way you can change a probability is with evidence. Faith will never do it. You can say, I have faith that when I throw a die three times, it's always going to hit one. But that, the probability, that can't change a probability on a six-sided die about how often you would get one and how three times in a row and how truly, without question, rare that would be. And if it happened, and I'm not trying to disparage any, any religious miracle here, but if it did happen, you still couldn't say miracle. You, because one three times is a probability that it can happen, just not as often. But it can happen, so that doesn't mean it's a miracle. So. Boy, that's a long obfuscation for. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, we're having so much fun we can't shut up. So, but we are going to shut up. Thank you so much for being such a great audience. Uh, we will be back for more. Don't don't forget tomorrow night is going to be a great night uh, with Jonathan Neville. We are going to manhandle the Mesoamerican mo model of geog geography of the Book of Mormon. Uh, that does not mean we are going to demonstrate the truth of the Heartland model, but we're definitely going to show the falseness of the Mesoamerican model. And I promise you're not going to want to miss this. Jonathan Neville has quite frankly impressed me. I'm, I'm serious. I'm going to give this man his voice. He, he is really good. So, all right. Remember, be good, do well, have fun, work hard, stay up late at night. If you're having fun, otherwise go to bed and get your beauty sleep like I do. Be happy. Smile. It makes people wonder what you're doing. Make friends because that's the funnest way to go. Do you have any other maxims you'd like to throw in here, Benny? Oh. Uh, Don't fart geez. in church loudly while the sacrament's being blessed. <laughs> What's that? There's, I think one of the classics is be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Be sure to drink. Oh, what the hell is old? <laughs> it's from, Am I that old? It's from A Christmas Story. You remember he gets the decoder? No, tell oh, me about okay. it. Oh, well, for the love well, of Sam. 